The Business on RT Radio 1 with AIB. We know that your focus is on your business. That's why ours is on supporting you. Well, staying with the world of academia, the small, sturdy notebook is probably not something most of us have given a huge amount of thought to, but our next guest has. Roland Allen has written a book all about notebooks. It's called The Notebook, A History of Thinking on Paper, and he joins me now. Roland, you're very welcome to the programme. You started out looking at writing a history of notebooks, but this book really became a history of ideas because the contribution that notebooks made to the development of ideas was just so, so big. Yeah, exactly that. Yeah, hi, thanks for having me. Um, Yeah, and it starts everywhere, you know, notebooks arrive, basically people start thinking in new ways and, and doing things in new ways because putting thoughts down on paper just helps you think in a more sophisticated way. I guess the the first examples of notebooks we see in Europe are business notebooks. Um, they're ledgers and uh, accountants' notebooks. and So it was about help. money rather than inspiration, was it, in the beginning, Roland? Yeah, absolutely. And I've spent my life in business myself, so I think I, 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 I feel where this is coming from. Um, the... Uh, Sorry, <laughs> I'm very sorry. Yeah, um, so the notebook arrives in about the mid-1200s because paper was really developed by the um, Islamic um, papermakers in the caliphates, in, particularly in southern Spain. And in the middle of the 1200s, um, you have the Reconquista, and after that, paper comes into Europe, and then you get Italian merchants who do incredible things with paper notebooks, which are sort of completely different to the parchment, illuminated manuscripts, which we'd had before. So when it was no longer parchment, it was able to be produced more readily and it was, well, not not so much disposable, but more readily accessible and could be used. But very quickly, it kind of turned into the, taking notes and, and that money element of it in business, it turned into the beginnings of accountancy. Absolutely. And we use these words all the time today. We have the balance sheet, which is originally a sheet of paper, a page in a book. We have journal entries. We have the general ledger. When you sell a company, you open the books. And of course, you can cook the books. So this language all goes back to notebooks. And it's very much the language of accountancy that we use today, even if we're stuck in Sage or um, Excel or any of the accountancy programs on the computers. But you highlight some very interesting characters along the way as the notebook developed and evolved into different purposes. One of them was this uh, nomadic Franciscan monk, Pacioli, is it? Luca Pacioli, yeah, he's a uh, fabulous character. He was a sort of jobbing mathematics teacher. He travelled around Italy in the uh, late uh, 16th century, basically teaching maths to the children of merchants and to the children of aristocrats because... Arithmetic there, unlike in the rest of uh, the world, was considered a really important part of a young man's upbringing because it would be expected that they'd be able to make their own money in business later on. Um, So he was a sort of high-end maths tutor and he collected all of the mathematical knowledge of the time. He never had an original idea really of his own, um, but he published these enormous books which were full of Euclid and Fibonacci and... um, bookkeeping was a part of that. And he was a friend of Leonardo da Vinci. Exactly, yeah. And Leonardo da Vinci was obsessed by geometry. So when this book came out, he was one of the first people to buy a copy in, I think it was 1496. And at the time, he was um, a hotshot in Milan. And he 
called for Pacioli. He said, come and, come and teach me geometry. He wasn't interested at all in trading and bookkeeping, um, which was something which fascinated Pacioli, but he did want to know about geometry. So, uh, yeah, they, they um, travelled together and lived together for a while. And then over the years, it, it sort of went from bookkeeping to geometry, and then it went into literary notebooks for literary notes. It went into uh, mechanical things, the beginnings of architecture and so forth. But what about social networks? Notebooks also sort of gave rise to early social networks. Oh, yeah, these are lovely notebooks. So uh, it's when universities start to pop up all over Northern Europe in particular, um, and this is around the same time, um, 16th century, the students start to keep these little autograph books, which they call Alba Amicorum, or Albums of Friendship, and the idea was that you would get your professor to sign it or the distinguished people you met, local celebrities who often at that time were, were priests. Um, and then you could sort of show it off and you could show how well connected you were. And this took off in Germany, but it really, really took off in Holland where everyone, men and women, basically would keep an album Amicorum. And when you met someone new, you would ask them to sign a page. So people would often put a sketch in or a poem or a biblical verse or a motto. And it was very much like connecting with someone on Facebook because then you had a record of your acquaintanceship. And when you travelled from place to place, you would seek out um, the local uh, the, the local big potatoes and you would get them to, to sign your book and then you could go home and show off how well-connected you were. So in that sense, it was like Facebook or LinkedIn. Yeah, and d- despite that evolution, diaries didn't really come along until quite a bit later. No, this is a really strange thing. So, I mean, going, going right back to the beginning, when you have those first business ledgers in Italy in around the year 1300, people are using them for all kinds of things, for sketchbooks, for keeping records of poems that they liked, all kinds of recreational things. But no one sits down and writes a personal sort of confessional diary like we think of it today. And it's uh, I'm always surprised by this, that these days the idea of a diary seems so obvious to us. But it took people a long time to think of it. And it seems to have happened in England in around the sort of the late 1500s, 1600. You came across uh, an interesting story about uh, the writer Ernest Hemingway and some old notebooks that he found. Yeah, exactly. So um, he used to notebook absolutely assiduously. um, And his idea of heaven was sitting in a cafe in Paris with a coffee or a drink and uh, a pencil and a notebook and just writing, writing, writing. Um, And he did this for uh, much of the 1920s when he was a young man and then uh, life got in the way, his career got in the way, he had to leave Paris, went to the Spanish Civil War and so on. Um, And he didn't really go back, uh, or rather, he didn't re-encounter his luggage for about 40 years. So um, he was having dinner at the Ritz and one of the managers of the Ritz said we've still got one of your cases in the in the basement brought it up and buried in this old suitcase with old clothes in it were his notebooks from the 20s and they led directly to a movable feast which is the last of his great books um, which is this from his point of view very nostalgic evocation of uh, Hemingway's creative life in the 20s and it all depends on the notebooks he kept at the time and then completely forgot about 
being separated from your luggage for 40 years sounds quite liberating actually in its own way <laughs> um, but at its core in the book what you've discovered by tracing the history of notebooks it reminds me of something a teacher said to me in school years ago they said that the the the, the miracle of keeping notes and having pen and paper is that you could sit in a room alone for 3 hours with pen and paper and come out of that room and know things you didn't know before you went in oh uh, very, very wise advice. How could I top that? Yeah, it forces, because it becomes a bit like a mirror, you're, you're sort of forced to engage with your own thoughts. But once you put them down on the page, you can play with them, you can manipulate them, you can make them more and more sophisticated. So yeah, that's that's wonderful advice. Excellent advice to live by. I should have taken it. Author Roland <laughs> Allen, it's a fascinating book. Uh, it's called The Notebook, A History of Thinking on Paper. Thank you very much for joining us on the programme.